Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my wonderful guest today is Ramona Olive. And bye, do we have a show for you today. Inclined elders, aging with an attitude of inclined. And you know, we're all going to get old if we're lucky. If we're lucky, we're going to age. It is a gift of wisdom and knowledge and and believing that we've actually done something with our lives. It's in a mindset, uh, not of decline or over the hill. It's a mindset of continuous incline, rising up. There's always a lovely mountain to climb and see what's on the other side. Uh, she likes to uh, make a difference in the lives of others by serving as an advocate for positive aging. Um, choice matters, commit to the meaningful and purposeful life of incline and believe that a new stage, one of steady decline is inevitable instead of one of uh, decline is inevitable. To choose to live uh, her life differently from society's negative connotation and that aging isn't about decline or over the hill. Uh, she is more... Um, enthusiastic about life and she wants to share her journey of purpose and inspiration that uh, has given her life a continuous incline and focusing on the positive attitude mindset and to believe that things are possible and boy do we need that right now and she's written a wonderful book inclined elders and uh, we're going to be talking all about that today and you know folks your, your age is a number it's also the experience that you've had in life but that doesn't mean it's over. It doesn't mean that now you sit on the rocking chair and just knit for the rest of your life. Life is about living, about sharing, about doing, and just living in wonderment of what else is there to explore. Welcome to the show, Romana. Well, thank you for inviting me as a guest, Sarah. I'm thrilled to be here and looking forward to our conversation. Age, a lot of people are afraid of it, aren't they? You know, oh, when I get older, everything is going to decline. The body, the mind, the spirit, um, almost put out to pasture. Um, whereas it is quite the opposite. Yes, we may not be able to physically do what we did before, but there's a sense of freedom and liberation to aging that allows us to see things differently and go after things differently and seek a passion that maybe we just couldn't do before. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's interesting. I really, in looking back on, on my life and realizing that we literally start aging from the day that we're born. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, something we have to accept each day we get older, but um, I think we need to em embrace it and really look at it in, in, in the meaningful and, and purposeful way that it can be. Uh, a very dear friend of mine who's now 96, she told me several years ago, she said, Ramona, when you share your age with people, proceed it with J-U-S-T. So at this point, I'm just 72 mm -hmm. and I'm very proud of it mm -hmm. and looking forward to moving into my 80s and 90s and possibly 100. Mm -hmm. uh, we're all living longer these days, 20 to 30 years has been added on to our our lifespan. And I think we really need to take stock as to how we're going to live that life. As 
you indicated earlier, my philosophy really is to continue to, to live a life of incline mm-hmm. uh, and not accept society's negative connotation. It's all a decline and over the hill. And that's what really led me to the, the title of the book, because I was becoming so incensed and looking around and seeing people that were my age and even younger that had bought into all this yeah. aging process and decline. And so it just came to me in a moment that, well, why don't we flip that around and use the term incline. Mm -hmm. And I I think it makes perfect sense because from that, it just leads you into continuing to climb mountains and continuing to live a full and active life. And if you look at it, um, we get over many hills in our time. You know, we're over one hill, but now there's another one in front of us. (laughs) That isn't a a connotation of decline. And that means that we've, we've, we've already climbed that mountain. We're over that mountain. But there's another one where a lovely valley to explore below, you know, and it's this, this is again that, well, you've, you've done it, you know, now leave it up to the young, you know, you don't need to worry yourselves about it anymore, you know, just sit back and enjoy your retirement or your old age. And it's like, no, this is the time to get up and go and do all the things that you wanted to do, obviously within the parameters of your physicality, but there's a different zest, isn't there? I'm 66, I'm 67 in October. I think age is most certainly a gift. I've lost too many people too young in life. And I think it's absolutely wonderful to get up every day and go, what is in store for me today? Have exactly. a purpose. <laughs> yes, and if we have that, I call it zest for life, then isn't that a way that we can be much happier individuals. Yeah. I think the buying into this while well, you're retired, retired now, just sit and do nothing or play golf. I think that's giving up in a sense. Yeah. And I think too, and I allude to this in my book, that I really see that a lot of people uh, don't have the courage to really continue to live a meaningful and purposeful life on the basis of what I call the three calamitous C's. Mm-hmm. And those three C's are complacency, which Mm -hmm. is really the fear of change, conventionality, which is really being bound by rules, and compliance, which is um, just buying into others' demands and what they're dictating. And I think if we flip that around, how can people not be sucked into those three uh, uh, calamitous Cs is to embrace the three constructive Cs. Mm -hmm. And to me, those are change. So embracing change in your life, as we've just been speaking about, and look at life with a sense of curiosity Mm -hmm. and combining those two will give one the courage to continue to live a life of incline. Exactly. I love those three Cs. And, you know, um, we never know how courageous we are until we look back at what we've just overcome. And, you know, we look back and go, my God, I didn't know I had the strength to do that. I didn't know I had the tenacity to do that. Look what I got through. Well, if I can get through that, I can face anything. Exactly. And and, and seize the day. (laughs) Yeah, yes. And and a lot of times it's just taking baby steps and doing Mm. something that's that's different. I mean, maybe you have a, a sense of inspiration or curiosity for something and something new, be it a hobby or just trying something different. And from that, you realize that, uh, wow, well, I've been able to overcome that little hurdle. Maybe I can do something a little bit more challenging. And there's, there's such a sense of uh, reward that, that's realized in, in doing something a little different. I've known so many people that have embarked on new adventures as they age. I myself have reinvented myself many times over throughout my career. And a lot of people 
as they're getting older, do that to a large degree. Uh, one of my friends who's a, an inclined elder in the book was a, a, an executive for a healthcare company, a very lofty executive position. And when he retired, he decided to embrace an interest and a passion he'd had as a child. And that was a curiosity for magic. Mm -hmm. So he has literally now he's doing his magic act in front of corporate groups, family groups, children's groups, and he's having a ball. So here's something that he, he took a passion from his younger days and turned that into something totally different that now it's his, his, his life, his career, in addition to all the other things that he's doing. That is yeah. actually a very common trend I actually see with the people I've interviewed. You know, they've gone about the expectation, you know, the conditioning of you must go to college, get a degree, get a good job, get, right. you know, the husband, the 2.2 kids, the picket fence and all of that. And they've gone and done all of that. And they've been highly successful and gone, but there's something missing. I'm just simply not happy. I mean, I should be happy. I have this and I have that, but I just don't feel there's any purpose in me and they literally walked away from the six figures from the success from all of that and gone to something that they loved doing or were extremely interested in in childhood and yes. it's come and tap yes. them on the shoulder and they've gone down that avenue and say I've never been more abundant I've never been more enriched I've never had so much zest to get up every day and do what I'm doing as what I'm doing now which I think is a lesson for everybody is that if you were given a gift when you're young and that gift is obvious, follow the gift. Let, you know, learn what you can about that gift and how to use that instrument and find the orchestra to play it in. Don't go down that road of complacency or compliance um, of, of control uh, and do the, well, I should, right? Go and do what you yes, love yes. because when you do what you love, you do so much better. Exactly. And I think that is totally an example of the fact that uh, historically, we have lived a life in stages mm-hmm. where, as you say, you you get your education, you then work and have your family, and then it's retirement. And then what do you do with yourself? And now there's more of a trend because our lifespan has increased so much that there's more of an approach to a life course mm-hmm. where it's not as rigid and static as life stages where you, you've gone through this one, then the next, then the next, and there's no going back. Whereas with a life course philosophy, it's more resilient, it's fluid. And for example, I went back to school as an adult in my 50s. That, well, that certainly didn't follow the, follow the pattern. And, and more and more adults are doing that, even yeah. this lifelong learning or courses. So you can be more resilient and change the, the path rather than the static life stages. And I think that's very much what uh, adults uh, of our genre are embracing these days, if they're still living an active life. Yes. And, you know, um, you know, let's look at this. many people, including myself, that has some physical challenges. I have nowhere near the same physicality that I did even 20 years ago. But that doesn't mean you go, OK, well, I can't do anything. You go and do, well, what can I do that doesn't rely on the physical? And there is always something you can do. There's always something that can get you up in the, in the morning that gives you that meaningful purpose that overrides your uh, challenge and gives you that reason to get up and go if we stop and just go oh no i've I've got this that's my excuse i just can't do anything because and that's down the rabbit hole as far as i'm concerned yes yes and that's an expression that i tend to uh 
uh, embrace as well, because I think it's disastrous when you mm -hmm. allow yourself to be sucked in down that rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Now, as an example, uh, and, and I think true as you're saying that we still experience some physicality challenges, but there's still the ability to make modifications. Yes. As an example of that, my brother, who has always been a very avid outdoorsman, his philosophy when I interviewed him, he said, oh, well, I just tune out all the negativity and I don't let the old man in. I like and, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that, that actually came about from a conversation with um, Oh, what's his name? Clint Eastwood. And it's mm -hmm. been used. But my, my brother thought, yeah, this is for me too. But he used to be an avid outdoorsman, climb mountains, and now he's hiking around them. Right. So he's made those modifications. And I think anybody can apply that in their last lifestyle. They can still enjoy the things they did when they were younger by making modifications in whatever form that takes. You know, when you are younger, everything is about fifth gear, isn't it? You know, it's like, um, oh, I want to do it. Let's do it. And off you go. And you've got the energy and the enthusiasm and the tenacity to, you know, to fall and get back up and go at it again. And, you know, as you get older, um, you realize, well, you know, maybe that's a bit futile. <laughs> maybe I'm going to actually use my energy a little slower. Enjoy going through all of the gears. Uh, you know, I really enjoy the countryside instead of the highway. Uh, we change our priorities of what's important. And I have found most certainly in the slowing down, physically, I have taken on so much more of what this planet has to give, of what life really is, the jubilance of it, because I've slowed down enough to see it. And when we're yes. young, we're constantly, you know, rushing and chasing after something that we kind of miss that. Yeah, I think so, too. It's, it's almost that we're moving so fast that life is a blur. Yeah. There was a, a book that was recommended to me very very many years ago because I'm very active and energetic and, and lived very in, in the fast lane. And this friend said, there's a book that's called slowing down to the speed of life. <laughs> and I love that because that's exactly what we're saying is just slow down. You know, the old expression, smell the roses, they smell the coffee. <laughs> but if you do that, you're able to take in more, your vision expands and there's, there's a very heightened sense of enjoyment and happiness that's derived from that, most definitely. Yes. And I feel that in a lot of ways, there's a lot more accomplishment because you actually have time to enjoy yeah. the accomplishment, you know, before that's the pressures of, oh, um, competitive, I've got to be, uh, this isn't enough. I've got to go and do more, you know, and that's we find right. an, an awful lot of enough. No, no, this is enough. I'm enjoying this. I don't need yes. more of that. Yes, yes. It, it's also interesting, the observation I've made with so many of the uh, elders, the inclined elders that I spoke to for the book, and there were over 50 of them, men and women ranging in age from 40 to 100. And my, one of my heroes is Herb, who uh, at the time that I interviewed him, he shared with me the story that at 94, he was 99 then, that he and his wife had moved to an independent living facility to be closer to the children here in Austin. And the first night as they were going into the dining room, he looked around and he said to his wife, oh, my goodness, they're all so old. And <laughs> so to me, that, that shows that he has this positive mindset and attitude to aging. And I actually created a little rhyme to go along with that um, based on his comment. And, and the rhyme is, I look in the mirror and who do I see? It's my younger self looking back at me. Society may dictate a time of decline but I follow my soul and choose to incline. Perfect. Perfect. You know, and it's people like that, 
that will have the chutzpah to get everybody up and dance. You're right. You know, it's, sometimes true. you just need that somebody with that energy and that zest for life. Hey, guys, yes. come on, get out of those chairs. Let's have music session. Let's have this. Let's have that. And sometimes exactly. they just need a reminder. You're still living. Yes, yes. And that, that takes me to another uh, segment of the book, which is um, the power of play. Uh, as I was doing my research, I came across a book. It was introduced to me by my Mia dance teacher, uh, by a uh, psychologist by the name of Stuart Brown, and it's called Play. And then there's a subtitle. But his premise was that we need play in our lives, especially mm -hmm. as we're aging. And, and really, if, if you listen to all of the comments as we're aging, oh, you're an adult now, just act your age. Or that's silly if you all want to get up everybody up and dance. Well, why not? And yeah, having a Who playful attitude. That? Beg your pardon? Who dictated that? Y yes, yeah. And and so in embracing your inner child is the way that somebody else expressed it. And to continue to live a, a fun life. There's actually, uh, I'm sure you've heard of the the in Japan, the Okinawan the island of Okinawa, where the older people there, and they live to be over 100. Mm -hmm. And part of their lifestyle is not only nutritious food and exercise, but playing with children. It's mm -hmm. part of their lifestyle. And that keeps them young. So it's that playful feeling that just uh, is invigorating. Well, when we look at children, play is essential into their brain activity and working out equations and learning yes. to interact. And it's like, as we get older, we know that a great deal of, you know, dementia, Alzheimer's can come on so early. We're seeing it so early in so many people nowadays. And that is because of the lack of learning new things or the lack of being engaged. And um, my ex-mother-in-law lived into her late 80s and she was a marginal player. So constantly playing marginal. I live with an 88-year-old. She's 88 this coming month. Um, and she does Mahjong on the computer. She does solitaire and she does thousand piece um, puzzles. And she is so engrossed with it. She has a system for it and it keeps her engaged. Plus yes. she has a childlike exuberance for life. We're going back to Montreal, her hometown in September. I've never been, so it's gonna be wonderful to see it through her eyes. And every day it's, oh, I can't believe we're doing it. I'm gonna show you this, I'm gonna show you that. And it, it's intoxicating. It. That's who Love she it. is in life. She's never lost that, that joy. And I think yes. that's a huge word that seems to go out the window for a lot of people of a certain age. Oh, you I, know, there's nothing to be joyous about. There is so much to be joyous yeah. about. You've just got and to it's, this it's, it's taking responsibility for your own joy, yes. really. Yeah. Um, another comment that uh, my friend Lee, who's 96 now, made to me is that uh, she's always kept that inner child alive growing up and, and as, as an adult so many times she would have to go say oh for heaven's sakes Lee why don't you just grow up and act your age and then she adds well I'm now 96 and most of those people are dead so, <laughs> yeah she has a point says, says <laughs> what age am I meant to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean there's so many people that I call the walking dead you know whatever age yeah. they've just given up on life and they're just going through the drolls of life and they're not really participating. They're not really contributing. They're just, yeah. you know, living blood. They've given up. They've given yeah. up. And, yeah. and I just find that so sad. It is. Because it is. Because the, the gift of age is the wisdom. And I'm not talking mm -hmm. about the knowledge. It's the wisdom to know actually how to use the knowledge, when to use the knowledge, in what way. Um, 
to be more discerning and uh, and to be more wondrous in our yeah. lives of what else uh, out there. I, I totally agree because otherwise you're just, uh, you've given up and you're just biding your time, you know, watching the clock until it's over. And, and what, a, what a sad way to live your life. Um, commenting again on the curiosity aspect that is so valuable in our lives. To me, curiosity begets creativity because yes. when you become interested in something, you then want to continue and explore and you can become very creative uh, in, in many, many ways. And I think that's just lovely. And again, that, that enhances your, your life. Yeah. I'm, it's being engaged in it, isn't it? You know, if, if, you've, if mm -hmm. you stop the wonderment of life, you know, the, what is possible, you know, what is out there? Um, if you're not willing to learn something new every day, then, you know, we're going to let the gray cells, you know, become white cells and disappear altogether. So, you know, I've, I've um, interviewed a couple of women, which um, I'm sorry, I haven't sent you their links yet with the heat that we've had in this office. It's been very hard to function. Even my computer slowed down because it was so hot. But there's a couple of women that you know, I just love them. The chutzpah, the joy of life. Esther Sheffron, who's six, 82. She, at the age of six, she was in a Japanese intern, internment camp. I mean, she's been through the gamut in life, but she's a concert pianist. She's an artist. She's a writer. And every single day, of COVID, she's written a rhyme. And then very often she would just post a video of her dancing, her doing something. She's just got such joy of life. Okay. And then we have the pink lady who is um, uh, now 89, um, I think a couple of years ago, took on a new lover, has her own TV show. <laughs> and you know, everything about her is just chutzpah and darling. And, and I, of course I had the two of them on together, which was just a gas. And, but they are, they are such reminders life isn't over until it's over that there's yeah. always something to do yes. and to be a part of exactly another a great story with uh, lee that i'll share because i think this is so relevant when we talk about you're never too old to make changes in your life she had uh, she's a texas gal and she went to college she wanted to be a designer uh, and uh, she found when she was in the class that it took her ages to complete the various tasks whereas some of her classmates were finishing them up very quickly. So she made the, the deduction that, uh, well, I guess she wasn't any good at it. And so she decided just to get her degree and then go work as a secretary, which back in that day was something that you, you sort of mm -hmm. fell into. Well, she continued and she was successful at that. And then one day in her 50s, she was with a group of people and she overheard somebody talking about Beethoven and the fact that he had rewritten one of his symphonies, I think it was 38 times, actually all of them, he rewrote many times. Mm -hmm. And she just had this light bulb moment that, oh my goodness, I thought he was a genius and here he is and he has to rewrite and redo his work and it mm -hmm. takes time. And she came to the realization that you're not instantly a genius, you have to apply yourself to it. And so she decided that she wanted to become a speaker, a public speaker. And so she took a lot of training and eventually a few years later, she became an internationally recognized motivational speaker. So what she termed this epiphany as was she turned her thinking upside down. Yeah. Here she had been living her life thinking, oh, I'm no good, I can't do this or that, to the realization that you work hard at something and you can make changes in your life. Yes. So that's one of my favorite stories, just turning your thinking upside down. You could apply that to any age. Any age. 
you know, we moved to South Africa when I was 14 and my mum was, uh, I think, 49 or something. And I was coming home from school one day and I'm seeing this motorcycle with this woman with long hair kind of stop outside my house. You know, obviously somebody else riding it. And I thought, who the hell is that? And I go up there and it's my mother wearing a wig who's, you know, she's now 50 and she's the back of this motorcycle. And that my mother was pearls and tweeds in England you know, completely charity work, you, you know, just completely pearls and weed, um, never drank, and, you know, very submissive, actually. And here is this woman who I didn't recognize because South Africa opened her up. And I saw this woman that had a joy of life. And awesome. she immersed herself into it. And, and just, it was wonderful to see, but it was also permission for me to be. Because yes. I'd been grown, I'd grown up in England in the restrictiveness as well and boarding schools and um, a sickly child. So there was always the limitations put on me that oh, you never could do this and you could never do that. And here we're in South Africa where it was just a, a, a clear new canvas that we could paint and explore. And it was just wonderful to see that. Unfortunately, so she moved back to England and then... Um, went to stay with my sister who kind of put her to bed and had five years in bed until she died, which is... Oh, dear. Yeah. So I, I would deduce then that being in a much more liberal environment, yeah. really embrace that and that's and that set her free to yes. to discard the, the tweed and the pearls and yes. let, her hair, let her hair down. That's, that's yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, it was wonderful to see and she and I would take holidays together and, uh, you know, and, and constantly be invited out for dinner with people and and parties and we'd throw parties together because South Africa you know bright places and you know music and dance and she was a really good uh, cook it was wonderful it was a wonderful way to live um for a number of years and uh, um it gave me the zest and the permission to go and seek life and then I went traveling and and exploring new countries and that's how I ended up here in Canada so we're an example to other people and I yeah. remember meeting someone when I was 15 and she was 66 and she had talked about the country she had lived in. And I remember saying right then, and I said it to her, I want to live in several countries. She had planted that seed in me and I have, I've lived in several countries and I'm so glad I did because it's, there's always so much to learn from it. So if we could look at our wonderful women of wisdom or men, and look at all that they have to share and teach us. It could help anybody at any age open up a door of wonderment and exploration and find right. a different path. I, I totally agree. And that really falls in line with one of the chapters of my book, which I call Leave a Legacy and Live It Now. Yes. And in, in essence, I'm alluding to the same thing that we as elders can serve as role models yes. for future generations to show them that we can still continue to live active full lives and so for them for the younger generation dispel all that doom and gloom that aging yeah. is just all about decline and to uh, really prove my point or my hypothesis i interviewed uh, several younger adults in their 20s and 30s to discuss their relationship with older adults and what impact it had had on their life, if any. And invariably, everyone that had older role models felt totally comfortable about aging and were excited about the prospect. And I, I think there, therein lies the example that your mother set for you as the role yeah. model so that you could live a freer life. 
So I think that's extremely important because in our lives, I know for so many years, uh, it was almost siloed living where as soon as you got to a certain age, you were put out to the retirement home or the old folks home, as we called it when I was younger. And and younger people were over here and everybody was in different boxes. And now we're, we're realizing that to have that crossover in the intergenerational is much healthier uh, for people, young and old, because it's a win-win for younger people and older people to have that joining of uh, the personalities and, and the ages and, and gaining that wisdom of the elders. And yet we can also look on the flip side with older people who may not be as technologically savvy, yeah. they can gain from the wisdom of the younger generation. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's how it's meant to be. I mean, yes. you know, you look at some of the movie stars, Helen Mirren, you know, she's going to oh, be in the new Fast and Furious F9. And, mm-hmm. you know, wrinkles and all, she doesn't care, right? It, she just brings a zest of life. She's got three productions going on right now. And I think she's in her 80s. And there's just something about it. It's like you can see, I enjoy life and I have no apology of it. Yes, you know, yes. And Judy Dench <laughs> and Maggie Smith and a few yes. others. And it's like, it wasn't so long ago that you reached 30 and a woman would be put out to pasture because now you're too old to be on TV now. Right. Unless you're playing an old person. And yes, that true. reflection is changing. So I younger people, I mean, I don't know if you remember the, the, the Golden Girls. Oh, yes. I yes, absolutely okay. loved the Golden Girls. Yeah. I thought it, and, and I you know, really kind of um, felt more. You know, and what she was, she wasn't more than that, but she was more than the TV show beforehand. Yeah, um, uh, be, be Arthur. Be Arthur. Be Arthur. Yes. You know, she had my kind of sense of humor. I just absolutely loved her. And it was yeah. Betty White. What an example. Oh, she's you an know? amazing woman. She's in her 90s now, I think. Yeah, 99, that, that I really, think. That really set a tone because that was decades ago. Mm-hmm. And those were three feisty women that were older, inclined elders and yes. living life to the way that they wanted to live yes. it, which was fabulous. And especially the mother, it was uh, the Arthur's mother, the mm-hmm. older one that was such a spunky individual as well. It was, a, it was a fun show. There's a lot of truth in that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think the more we show that to people that getting older, there's something wrong with it. You know, like Judy Dench did the uh, wonderful movie Marigold Hotel. Yes, and, you know, due to financial circumstances had to go over there and everybody there was there because of basically financial circumstances and how it completely changed their lives. And yes. I think there lies the willingness, the willingness to step out of your comfort zone and you're all uncomfortable. You know, it's OK. If you're just comfortable and it's OK, you're not living. You're not yeah, living. That's true. And, and those folks are embracing those three calamitous uh, mm. seats again. Really. Absolutely. They're, they're just, okay, it, it is what it is. And I'm, this is the way it's always been. Okay, I'll buy into it as well. But they need to be prodded to embrace the three constructive seats, the change, yes. the curiosity, and the courage. But do you find that some people are put off because, yes, it requires you to participate, to get up and do something. And some people have just... You know, and, and, uh, and uh, if it's done for them, maybe, but they just don't want to do it yeah. themselves. And, and I think there are, well, there is a group of people that uh, there's no, no matter how much you urge, prod, nudge, are going to change their mind. Yeah. They're just set in stone. Uh, I think it's the next group of those people. Well, they've sort of bought into it. But they realize that it could be better. And what can they do to make it better? It's those ones who really will move when you give them that little nudge and, and push, but they do need some support. And a lot of the things that I've included in my book are resources of things that will help people to get over that hump. So, and then there's those of us that 
we're already there. We're in yes. the elders and we've yeah. been embracing it for years. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. um, as I said, I've had a lot of depth around me. So, you know, I, you know, every birthday is celebrated because it's a gift of another year. But mm. the onus is what you're going to do with that year. Yes. And, uh, yes. you know, uh, for me, I've been doing this nine years now, and it is my reason to oh. get up every day and meet fantastic people. And as ordinary people doing extraordinary things yes. you know, because they yes. chose to or because life tapped them on the shoulder or maybe they have the cosmic two by four. But what they realized, you know, life bottomed them out and they had to climb back up and go through the process and find that meaningful purpose and become. And right. every single one of them has said to me, it doesn't matter how catastrophic that experience was, I'd go through it again to be where I am now. Right. I, I like that expression that you use, the um, ordinary people that do extraordinary things. And I, I think that's so true because when I was considering what group I was going to interview for the book, and it wasn't going to be those that were movie stars, politicians, yeah. or in, in the limelight, they were exactly what you would consider ordinary people but to me they were extraordinary because they had accomplished something and uh, sometimes without even thinking about it but they just had the, the drive to do it or they knew they had to do something one young girl uh, and I say young because she's still in her 50s but she'd always had a fear of getting in, up in front of a group of people public speaking of any sort it just shrank her and that's true of a lot of people yeah and so what she did she decided to overcome that, she would take a stand-up comedy uh, class, and she did that, and she said it was the most freeing, liberating thing she'd ever done, because it gave her the ability to just be herself and let it out there, and it was just totally freeing, and that really helped her overcome her, her fear of public speaking, so uh, it's it's been fun to speak with people to see what their special little nugget is, because as I was speaking with people, my self would would, would uh, light up i'd have my aha moment of thinking oh wow i can plug that in here i can yeah. plug that in there and it was it was lovely because everybody has a story you just have to be able to pull it out of them yeah yeah and and the very often those people with those extraordinary stories just you know i'm just an ordinary bloke or an ordinary woman you know it's like no big deal and they don't realize what a big deal their story yeah. is right yeah. absolutely yeah. yes We've got a 102-year-old um, here in Victoria that last year during COVID, at 101, he would walk um, so many laps a day around the courtyard to raise money uh, for, for children at risk. And um, he started it again this year, and actually yesterday, which was the hottest day on record for us. He's out there, took off his jacket. He said, excuse me, I have to take my jacket off. And, and did his laps. <laughs> And he's doing five laps every single day. And there was that guy in England that was walking a mile a day and he was in his hundreds as well. And they are That's such cool. a wonderful example to people is that, okay, he's, he's in a retirement home. He has a walker. He's limited. But his sense of purpose is still yeah. there. And I think if you lose that sense of purpose, you know, what have you got to live for? Purpose yeah. is something that drives us forward. That's, that's one of the most important things I found when I was uh, interviewing these folks, that they, they really had uh, a positive attitude about mm -hmm. aging, but they had a strong sense of, of purpose in their lives. And they, they realized that they needed to have that purpose in order to sustain themselves. Yes. I, 
uh, one of the, the uh, resources I use in the book is a Japanese process called Ikigai. And it literally means that in Japanese, my reason for getting up every morning. Mm. And, and so that's the purpose factor. But people, in addition to and another huge piece is that you need to have a sense of community and connections with yes. people. But you need that meaning and purpose in your life. And, and the way that I describe it is a purpose can be little P or big P. In other words, big P, it can be a huge project you're working on or a career that you, you came from or are moving into, or it can be a little P. It can be, it be a passion hobby that you have. It can be yeah. looking after your grandchildren. Yeah. It can be volunteering, serving others. So it, it has to have meaning for you to really be effective as, as a purpose. That's reminding me of a, we used to live literally opposite a Catholic church and there was a wonderful little old lady completely bent you know, she had the osteoporosis, completely bent, would be there every single day to clear out the candles and redo the candles. And my little daughter, who's now just had a baby, so she's mama, but at that time she was around three and she would take her, her baby stroller over there with her doll in it. And she was still, went through a phase of funny hats and everything else. And she'd stop and talk to this little old lady and you just, I just left them to it. And they would talk for ages. God knows what they were saying, but they were having such a conversation and it meant so much to the woman and to my daughter. And I've been very, very lucky that my kids have never looked at people of age as decliners. You know, they they take everybody at their heart and soul value. Right. And, and it was just so wonderful to see, you know, and I asked one, you know, what, what's my daughter say? Oh, we're just talking about life. And you know, she's a three-year-old and, you know, this was in it. her 90s, you know, and, but it was just so yes. wonderful and warming to see. And, you know, there has been a phase for a number of years of that when people reach to a certain age, they're considered useless and they're being selfish for living longer and they should give it up to the younger people. And I don't know who started that. But no, we have every right to be here. We've earned it. Every gray hair is an experience. We've earned our right to be here. And it should be more the um, younger people wanting to know our stories, wanting to know how we got here, what we went through, because I think it teaches them appreciation. And yes, it, judgment. It, it does. And it follows through again with what we've just been speaking about, which is the uh, leaving a legacy and living it now and serving as a role model. So yes. in your particular case, there was your mother who served as a role model for you. Mm-hmm. You served as a role model for your children. And they have gained from that because they respect their elders totally. Uh, I think, too, that um, in looking at society in general, and I really feel that it's more the Western culture, society, uh, that we have such a youth-centric society that really the media and Mm. society in general has created. And and, and it's just so wrong. And that's contributed and created this uh, stereotypical ageism that's going on. But there's, there's so many people that are moving towards wanting to negate that. And again, embracing older people and the wisdom that they bring rather than you know, putting in that box and it's time that you were put out the pasture and sit on the front porch and rock in your chair. Mm-hmm. That's, that's going away slowly, but surely it's going away. We you know we see so much in other countries where uh, the elders are revered, you know, yes. they've paved the way for others. It is now their time for others to do for them. And they go to them for the wisdom. They go to them for that knowledge and, and 
and just to have deep conversations and there's respect for the elders uh, yes. and all that they've done and i feel yeah i think it must be through the media that we are seeing this um reflection do you remember the movie logan's run yes everybody at the age of 21 had to go and die yes <laughs> you know, so, yeah. all right um and it's like what do we know at 21 <laughs> you know, look back on it and i think one of the examples we could be to our own generation is to say it ain't over until it's over and you know as, as my pink lady said as you um, would say you've got to get up and get out and get going right? yes and, lee says something similar get up get dressed and get going yeah yeah same, yeah same thing exactly i i think too that in looking at the whole stereotypical thing that uh, we've sort of bought into that over over the years where we've accepted the fact that you can laugh at people aging, the birthday cards of people mm. old and decrepit. And why even go that way when you when you know that we're most of us anyways that want to embrace that uh, more inclined lifestyle are living healthier, more positive lives. Yeah. I think, too, in looking at the media and society in general, that historically have promoted a youth centric um, culture because that's where the marketing people, especially that, that's, where the, that's where the money is, but it's been proven and shown statistically yes. that older people in their 50s, 60s, 70s and beyond, there's a huge wealth there yes. that should be tapped into in the way of marketing. And there's a lot of organizations now that are creating uh, different uh, mechanisms to be able to promote within that uh, uh, age group. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's face it, as you get older, you know, you've lost family members or your kids are grown up and you may find yourself on your own. And there's nothing worse than, um, you know, being lonely and neglected. You know, it's, it's, it's soul killing. And for some people, financially, maybe they can't afford to go out or they don't have the wheels or this or that. And it's like, as younger people, we should turn around and go, can I take you out for lunch or to the library every week or shopping? You know, it's just yes. give them yes. a reason to have something to look forward to uh, because yeah. otherwise they are living a living death. And it's, uh, and, it's, and it's not because they want to. It's just because of their means that they can't. And we could turn around. I do this every year with Christmas. Please do not forget the, the lonely person that lives on your floor. Um, you know, invite them in or you know, for a drink or drops a gift off to them, remember them. Because then isn't it the, the worst of like, nobody knows who you are and nobody cares? Yes, yes. And, and it gets to the point in that sort of situation that older people become invisible, that yeah. nobody really sees them at all. And I think that's so sad. I, I love your idea of reaching out. I know there are so many different uh, community groups that really support people one group that I, I included in the book is called WellMed Senior Center. And uh, I interviewed a lot of the people there. And when I walked in, uh, this is, of course, pre-COVID, but it was, you could feel the energy in the room, people playing ping pong, people mm. dancing, people talking. And in, in interviewing several of the people, it really gave them the sense of community that they needed to have these relationships. Now, not everyone wants to do that or, or has the ability to put themselves out. But if you can get people within that sort of a scenario, it's, it's very helpful. Now, of course, the place is shut down during yeah. the, uh, the, the, the pandemic. So that to return things to normal, but I love your idea of just reaching out to somebody that, you know, that yeah. is living on their own and just treating them and bring some joy into their lives. I mean, you know, how about 
the person in their 80s that lives, you know, in an apartment or down for you or a house down the road for me and you've got kids and say, would you mind coming over and doing story time for my kids? Right? Love it's giving her. them a yes, reason yes, to come yeah. over. They come over and they sit and read a book and, hey, how about staying for dinner? Right? Yeah. And, uh, and it's like we can adopt a granny or a grandpa, right? And yes. it's, I, I give them a reason to, to look forward to tomorrow. And what they're teaching the children at that time, you know, in respect, in value, and, and in wonderment with their stories. I mean, we've lost that art, you know, because it, it, marketing has a lot to answer for. It really does. But we've also got to remember we support the marketing with our purchase. So if we stop buying it, they're going to stop selling it. They're going to go on to a different market. Um, I think... I think that uh, over the years, it's also been several organizations that uh, you say adopt a grandparent and, and there are mm -hmm. several of that uh, ilk here in the Austin area. There's also a, a new program that, uh, that was brought together by uh, a University of Texas graduate. This was last year when the pandemic started and he created this online program where he brought together younger people and older people and created these relationships and it eventually became so popular because of course everything was shut down as far as being yeah. together in person that it became global and he mm -hmm. now has this wonderful program in bringing people together and there's a lot of different organizations and programs like that yeah and you know the thing about zoom you know what the pandemic has done i mean it's just been a godsend of a tool um you know a second-hand computer could be handed down to someone set them up on zoom and you know, and then they can communicate with people elsewhere. Exactly. If they yes. can't do it physically, they can't get out. At least they're having a connection. Because yes. I think the, the decline comes from disconnect. Yes, that's, that's very true. There was an interesting uh, uh, work done that uh, by a Dr. Vallant who worked with this Harvard study. It's been around for, well, I think since the 40s or 50s where they interviewed, uh, it was all men at that point, over decades and decades and decades to try and identify what the happiness factor in life was, what really made these people tick and brought joy to their lives. And invariably, after decades of doing this study, the, the one bottom line item was relationships with mm. people. That, that is so important to people's mental well-being, yes. really. Yes. And of course, with this pandemic, and this is something we've talked about a great deal on the air here, is um, not only was it the pivoting of your business, but the pivoting of how you communicate with people. But it's also making sure that now as we come out, a lot of people are still feeling vulnerable. You know, the news, oh, there's a new variant, or there's a new migrant, there's a new this, yes. there's a new that. Yes. And it's like, they're, they're kind of scared to come out because, you know, they don't know, is it safe now? Uh, and we need to, you know, create some safe places for people. And it's not just people that are elderly. There's a lot of young people that are feeling the same. And it's like, this is the time that we need to bring the invitation out and create a safe space for people and just say, let people know. Because I would say the next pandemic is the post-traumatic stress as well as the economic one of, of post-pandemic. And that means we need to all step up there and care a little bit more and be there for each other. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I also agree with that. I'm a, a member of various community groups that's obviously have been online for quite a while. And you're right, it's, it wasn't just older people that were, oh, I use the term hibernating or mm -hmm. sheltering in place. It was younger people as yeah. well. And, you know, I looked at it that I was continuing to live my life as best I could 
respecting the social responsibility of wearing a mask and social distancing when required, but still going out and doing yeah. what I needed to yeah. do. Whereas so many people I saw, they, they wouldn't step out the door, their groceries were, deli yeah. were delivered. They went through all of that. And yet, you, you know, I said, you have to respect people for where they are, for the right. reasons that, that they're making this. They could have had loved ones that were very ill and they didn't want to put them at risk by going out. So you, you have to embrace that. But now we're at a point where having the, the two vaccinations and things changing, and that certainly has been the biggest factor, that you're able to step out. And yet so many people are reluctant because again, they've been bound up, sheltering in place for so long, they're, they're reluctant to go out for any other things that may be happening outside. But we, we have to support each other and in whatever way we can do that, be it going over and being with them, bringing them to places and, and just, uh, you know, having that sense of community and supporting each other. I mean, support is such a huge thing. You have to look out for yourself, but you have to look out for others as well. We're a society. We need to help other people as well. Yeah, I'm always referring to us as a village and everybody in the village is important. And, you know, when times are bad, people are there. Times are good, people are there. And if the village is only as strong as everybody's contribution. And if totally. we look at our community as our village and, you know, we've got to be there for each other. You know, for so many years, it's about me, myself and I, as long as I'm OK, it's all right, Jack. And, you yes. know, the, I used to have a you know, business called The Importance of You, which is not about self-importance. It is important that you fill yourself up with self-love, with an exuberance of life, with a meaningful purpose, and let your cup runneth over. Come from the heart. Let people feel that essence. And then you can really share that love out. That's the kind of importance of you. The self-importance is using everybody else to make you feel better. And we've had too much of that for too long. And I, I think one of the pandemic things has taught us is that uh, we are only as strong as we are together and that we need to respect each other's contribution and, uh, and, and be there for one another because it's yes. not about me, myself and I. And, you know, who to teach us better but the elders because they've certainly in their lives have gone through that. Yes, absolutely. And I, I agree for decades, it was the me, me, me yeah. generation where it was just all about you and, and being so uh, uh, really self-centered. Yeah. And it's, it's times of, of um, challenge. And we've certainly been through that, that you really realize that you need other people and they need you and it's reciprocal. And I love your analogy of, of the village because that it, it is so true, so true indeed. We went through a horrendous storm here uh, earlier this year in February, which uh, shut down the city almost. We had rolling uh, energy waves, so ro rolling power waves where it would be on for maybe half an hour, then off for two because the, the, the circuits were overloaded. We had below freezing temperatures for almost a week where some people had no power at all. Some had no water because their pipes were frozen. Right. And it really, again, showed that you need that community. I'm, I'm in a gated community and we just came together, which we always do, and even reached out to other people to support them. Uh, I know so many people that were 
with um, no water and no heat for days at a time. And we'd reach out to them. And the, one of the funny aspects, because you have to keep your sense of humor in times like this, people knowing that I was originally raised from Canada, <laughs> raised in Canada, said, oh, you must be used to this whole thing of yeah. power outages. And I said, no, this is my first one. <laughs> yeah. But I've never experienced it before because uh, it's we just didn't have that kind of weather in Vancouver. Yeah. And obviously pipes are much lower down in the ground where they aren't here when we're used to higher temperatures. But it was another one of those experiences where, yeah, I need somebody to check out my pipes. And fortunately, I have a sense of community and, and mm. you, you know, it just reinforces that. And, and it gives me such a great feeling to be able to extend and take a dinner to somebody. I mean, yes. there's just so many ways that you can do that. So it's, I it's mean, important. It's the neighborly thing, knock on the door. Are you okay? Is yeah. it you need help with? And of course, you know, a lot of the elderly, no, no, I'm fine. You know, because they, there's that sense of pride or whatever, or they don't want right. to bother with anyone. You know what? Exactly. I like to check things out. Do you mind? You know, yes. and yeah. uh, of course, there is the distrust. You know, who are you? So, you know, you need to know, I live over there. You see me walking, da, 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 da. And it is, the more you know who the, your neighbors are, the less scared they're going to be. And when it comes times of, of yeah. crisis or challenge, and you knock on the door and they know who you are and they know that you're there to help them. And more inclined that they will knock on your door and ask for help. That's true. Yes. Because it's that comfort level that people yeah. uh, are very uncomfortable in saying that they need help to begin with. So if you get beyond that uh, uncomfortable level and it becomes part of your comfort level and you know the people, then uh, it's, it's much more easy to accept the help, know that you need it and, and accept it and to give it back as well. You know, I, I find that the more you're there, you know, I'm very, very proud of my son. He has a restaurant and um, yet on um, Sunday he said we're closing early it is 55 in the kitchen um and we're closed tomorrow because it's going to be even hotter and uh, because I have to think of my staff and somebody commented class act now I it wouldn't have been so long ago when we'll get air conditioning then you know and I think what yeah. it is we've got to a point of intolerance to that negativity we've just we've had so much of it bombarding for so many years from so many avenues especially the media and politically and and yes, society yes. you know that it is like no no i'm sorry we're not interested in that and so to see a community rally around him you know and go yeah no you've got to close put the staff first right and it's it goes yeah. a long way because then he's been there for them through the pandemic and now he needs to be there for his staff and then immediately people are there to go what can we do to help that's yeah. how it should be, folks. Yes, yes. Right? Doesn't and that's for the age. <laughs> right. And that's creating that bond of yeah. uh, supportiveness for, yeah. for each other. It's just reciprocal. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There is so much that we still have to give. And, you know, as I said, I've, I've interviewed people like you uh, of beautiful age. And, you know, one of the real common things that I see is people in their 50s, 60s, who have completely walked away from a life that they've known maybe some of it is is that cosmic two by four or maybe it's just like well that chapter is done and uh, and they've gone into opening up businesses or starting things or doing things that their exuberance is coming out and they feel they really have something to contribute and it's coming from the heart and it's it's coming from the desire to want to make a difference 
And the more we open up to these people, the more we realize what beautiful nectar they have to share and how much further it can take us in our lives. And it's like, no, don't shut us down. We've still got so much to give and uh, it ain't over until it's over. And as you said, so many of us living longer, so many people that are healthy, um, that you know, let's face it, 20, 30 years ago, there was not kind of the gyms for the elderly or the swimming pools or the this or that for them to work out in or to stay healthy or the nutrients, sure. you know? That's true. And, and uh, a lot of the statistics that I uncovered in doing my research, one that really stuck out was that by the year 2030, so what's that, nine, nine years, years away, there will be more people that are 65 and older than 15 or younger. Yeah. And that's understandable because we're living longer and yes. there's less, less births. So that, that's a reality. And so there's two ways that I look at it is that what, what society needs to do to adjust to this longevity and what do we need to do individually? Yeah. And society really needs to start changing the model. Yeah. We talked about it earlier where it was uh, education, uh, marriage, family, and then retirement. And looking at that life course, uh, an interesting work that's being done at Stanford University in California with a group called the uh, Longevity Group in looking at aging. And they've been studying what they're calling a new map of life, where they're really saying that we need to create a new map of life because yeah. the one that already is in place was designed for a, a life that's half the age of what we are yeah. now. Yeah, and obsolete. She, yes, totally. And the people that are born today, there's a 50% chance that that they'll live to be over a hundred. So we right. have to start changing our models as far as the way that we uh, have our businesses, our educational systems and, and uh, other institutions. And for us personally, we've got to change that mindset. We've got to embrace the life of decline. We have to be proud of our aging mm -hmm. and, and so many other factors. And that's just, you know, there's movements that are starting that. And that's the direction that it has to go in with obviously a lot of the people that you're speaking with, the ones that I've spoken with us, yeah. specifically yeah just society is saying i'm not going to accept all that negativity anymore this is the way that i want to live my life right. and others should embrace that as well right there is no gold watch and out to pasture anymore no right passe passe my mother when we went and moved to south africa i don't know how she did it but she changed the age on her passport back 10 years Yes. <laughs> well the long the long hair goes along right yeah but i mean she was a very beautiful youthful looking woman so she could get away with it but right. she she felt there was a stigma to her age yeah right so and she didn't want to be in that stigma and of course it meant we all had to adjust our ages which was a little difficult for a 14 year old <laughs> but um but it was uh it was a question of i don't want to be labeled anymore that, you know, the pearls and the trees, because when she became a widow, um, I was 11, and she became a widow, and it's like, well, no longer are you going to be invited to parties, you've got to do good works and take up bridge, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and the, basically, you died with your husband, and it, it's, and it right. was like, oh my god, you know, it's, this is so wrong, so this is why we packed up and moved to South Africa, where a totally different woman came out, uh, out of it, and, uh, um, and also, took away anything from me that you know I was actually a critically shy girl living in England didn't go out anywhere didn't do anything and then thrown into South Africa into this open exuberant life and it was quite a, um, a shock but 
one I dived into. Um, Isn't it also interesting that in growing up as children, we always want to be older. And I remember saying that I was eight and a half or 10 and a half or, and then we get to a certain age and we're an adult and we want to pull back on that age where I think now really we're embracing more who we are and what our age is. And as my friend says, just put the word J-U-S-T in front of it. I'm just whatever it is. And so did it. Yes. Yeah. I'm proud of it. Exactly. Right. You know, as I said, it's so many people who don't make it to this age, right? Or have given up, um, yes. put themselves up to pasture. Um, I still got a zest for life, an exuberance for life, an inquiry of life. Whoops. Absolutely, yes. Oh. <laughs> Whoops. Um, and the important thing is, is that we still maintain that. And yet, no, yes. we don't have to go at the same highway speed as we did before. I, I call myself a plodder nowadays. But, you know, it's the tortoise and the hare right yes you know yes. i'm quite happy to be the tortoise now i'll get there i'll get there but i'll get there in my own good time yeah. right and, and i've i've slowed down as well and as i alluded to that book um slowing down to the speed of life yes and i think you know i, I have yeah. and i'm much happier for it yes. and uh, yeah it's total improvement but so. it's also we don't sweat the small stuff anymore and just right. don't, don't bother serving me that crap i'm just not going to take it you know it's like exactly. uh, we, we know when to close the door on it and uh, you know we're in the past where it might have been oh what do you mean or how does it affect me or you know and now you know as i say i'm not everybody's cup of tea i'm somebody's strong cup of black coffee you can take me or leave me i won't be offended but i'll back, get to that yes back then Thank it you. used to be oh what do you mean i didn't please you <laughs> Right, and it's like, oh my God, the years of, of exhaustion in doing that, and it ain't going to do that anymore, right? I'm not I, everybody's cup of tea, and that's okay, isn't it? It's totally fine. Yes, yep, totally fine. And in the process, we'll continue to incline and live meaningful, purposeful, active lifestyles. You must have had so much joy in writing this book and hearing oh, these I stories. Do. I mean, was it was it a question like, well, oh, we've got to have two books here because there's too many good stories? Well, it, it was interesting that as I started uh, obviously reaching out to what I call my inner circle and people that I know, and, and then they'd say, well, you need to talk to this person and that person. And it, it just exponentially grew. And uh, I really, for the over 50 people that I spoke with, there were a few that really didn't fit into the slot I was looking mm. for, but very, very few. Most of them are included in the book at least once, if not twice. And uh, I really found that they, they're, they're living the life that I wanted to demonstrate yeah. was available. So again, they were ordinary people living extraordinary lives. And I, and I, I love that expression. And for me too, it was a labor of love because mm. a lot of those people I knew initially, but I'd say the higher percentage of them, I, I didn't. And yet they become friends or yeah. at least uh, colleagues, acquaintances that I now consider as, as part of my, uh, circle of friends so it's uh, it was a labor of love and really brings me to life that i believed in because i became so incensed with all the negative banter that yeah. i started doing the research on positive aging and eventually realized wow i want to add my voice and my perspective to all of this chatter about living more positive lives and uh, the feedback that i've been getting is that people are feeling inspired or motivated. And that's the little nugget, the gift that I was looking for. And that's been very rewarding for me. And, you know, it's one of those books that is timeless, right? And it's one of those books that is ageless. 
it, yes. you know, it can go across all age spectrums. And I think it's one of those books, you know, I mean, I'm looking at a, a picture that somebody sent me and it's of two women that are very wrinkled and they've got beautiful big smiles on their life, you know, like they've lived every moment of their life and it reflects on their face, hard times, good times. They've still got something to smile about. And we go through this phase of, oh, my God, I've got a wrinkle. Oh, I've got a gray hair. I've got to hide it. Plastic surgery. Where's, where's the collagen? You know, and it's like uh, to hell with that. You know, yes. my little 88-year-old that I live with is wrinkled as hell. She's five foot dot. She could still karate someone at her age. <laughs> you know, and it's okay. and it. uh, chased the dog down the street the other day because it ran away and she caught it. Right. right. And it's just like the, it is it doesn't matter what you look like, you know, take care of yourself. Yes. But if you've got the wrinkles, you've got the gray hair that just reflects the life that you've lived. It's, it's exactly. It's and going back that we need. To, the, to the little rhyme that I wrote, it's, you know, it's my inner child is looking back at me. My mm -hmm. younger self is looking back at me. And that's the essence of who you are and who you always will be, even though on the exterior, yes, you're older. Um, I, I think interestingly too, just to share my book is divided into three parts. The first part is attitude, which is looking at the internal focus. The second part is growth or the external focus and, and uh, dealing with other people. And then empowerment, which is more societal. Mm -hmm. And the A-G-E spells yes. age, of course. And I saw it as a pro progression in going from the internal to the external and reaching that point of empowerment where you really gain... You gain confidence in yourself, and therefore you're a much happier person as a result. Life is an inside-out job. You know, we've spent so much of our life chasing the outside to try and make us happy, to realize that nothing on the outside is going to be satisfactory until you find that self-love and, and peace with inside. Um, totally. And then when you, when you are there and you, you're at, at peace with yourself, you, you know, you you're happy within yourself. That means you're going to see things differently. You're going to interact with things differently. You're going to bring a different essence of who you are to everything that you do. And there's so many things that don't matter. And the things that really do matter, you really do feel empowered to do something about. But you know where to put your energy and where not to. And it's, yes. it really is a gift that you can't teach the young because they've got to go through their life experience to get to. And, yes, really. but when you do get there, you know, just like, thank you for this gift. Thank you for this gift. Right. That's, that's very true. And I, and I think that that's the true empowerment that you realize that it's all within you. And once you're at peace with yourself, mm -hmm. that's exuded to the rest of the world. And that's a gift you're sharing outwardly as well. I mean, you know, there's another word that really is important in, in at any age, but I think especially when you're older, that is humor. You've got to yes. have a laugh. You've got to be able to laugh at yourself. I mean, I'm dyslexic and I very often say things peculiarly. And my kids are always teasing me. And it's never with malice. It's always like mom's invented a new word again. <laughs> and I'll get teased for, for things like that. But it's like not laughing at, at my expense. It's laughing with me. Mm -hmm. And it's being able to laugh. You know, uh, I think when you can laugh at yourself, you know, you, you, you've lightened up. You're not totally. taking yourself so seriously, right? Yes. 
Yes. And we've yes. got to be able to laugh at each other. Again, not with the malice, but with that laughter because it just gives us all permission to be. And just also laugh at life. You know, sometimes it's a white coat laugh. <laughs> They're coming to take us away. And sometimes it's a good old belly laugh. Like there was a posting on Facebook today and it's Ed's one minute acupuncture and the guy's lying on the bed and the guy's got a hedgehog. <laughs> I mean, because for the hell but love, because I've had acupuncture and I know what it feels like, and I can anticipate what that hedgehog would feel like. And it's like laugh. And you know, one of the good ways of learning to laugh: look at children play, look at puppy dogs chasing their tail, the stick, the ball. Look at nature and how beautiful it is. Always get you out of yourself and give you yes because it's, it's all spontaneous there's, yeah. there's no forethought given mm. to it it's just, it's just there and uh i i, I look at uh, laughter as, uh, as a strong elixir as as far as a magical potion at times yes. as well that just lightens up your whole being rather than being so so serious uh, and especially being able to laugh at yourself i know over the years it's difficult sometimes because you have this impression of who you are and well I'm not going to be silly this way or that but when you can finally lighten up and yeah. just laugh at yourself it, again it's so liberating just to to laugh yeah you know there's always something to laugh at and it's so healthy for you you know yeah. it, it it gets rid of certain things in your body a good belly laugh is just something that I mean that's the reason why things like the golden girls and everything did so well you know, the, the, the kind yes. of the humor they had, it was relatable. Uh, you know, the, the beautiful one-liners that they had, they kind of punched you in the stomach with laughter and you just couldn't <laughs> help but laugh with it. And, you know, afterwards, when you, yeah. when you finish watching it, ah, oh, that was a good laugh. And you feel so much better. Yes, it just light, lightens your spirit, yes. I think. Exactly. Yes. So yeah. we've been through some heavy times in this last few years. And yes, we're coming out of it and there's still a lot of recovery. This is the time for us to show kindness and caring and consideration and compassion, but it's also a time to look at how we can bring joy back to ourselves and look to how we can bring back the laughter because that's going to be the healing method for all of us despite the age. Yeah, most definitely, I agree with you totally. Yes. So what's next for you? What's next for me? Well, I've been uh, working on a little project that will be a companion for inclined elders, how to rebrand aging for self and society. I'm going to do a little book of poems. Ooh. And my, my working title thus far is Musings on a Life of Incline. Mm. So reflections on a life of incline. And there will be some parallel with the book, but I don't want it to just duplicate the yeah. book. But I think it will be a nice little companion piece to share some of my personal inclined moments because in the book of course I've, I've shared mostly the inclined elders I've interviewed although there's a lot of me that's in the book as well so that's my next project for now in addition to all of the other plates I've got turning in the air because I do keep uh, keep pretty busy um, but it's it's nice being able to get back into socializing with mm. friends and family and uh, I'm looking forward to probably have to wait until December, but every year for the past 10 years, I've done two trips to Canada to visit family, uh, August and December. And August is looking a little hedgy because Canada still has the border locked down. I, but, think, it's, uh, I think it's meant to be lifted in July. 
July is what I hear, yes. Um, but that will be nice to be able to visit because of course we've kept in touch, but it's not the the three-dimensional, three-dimensional yeah. seeing each other and having the hugs, which I've I've missed. But getting back out and, and being with people three-dimensionally has been wonderful. So that's been what's great. this launch pad? The launch, launch pad job club is a local uh, job search group that supports people in career transition. And there are several actually in Austin. There's another one that I've worked with called the Career Development Network. And I have, uh, because of my background, doing a lot of career coaching work with people in transition, I, I know a lot of people in that uh, genre. And I've been asked by um, a couple of them at this point to do a presentation. And it's a PowerPoint presentation, which you've done via Zoom. And of course, the, the presentation I've entitled um, Aging with an Attitude of Incline. Mm. And it covers a lot of the things that we've talked about that are included in the book. And again, it's been very well received in giving people, especially older adults in career transition, the, the realization that it, it's, it's not over. Right. And I can still, you know, it, all the things that we've been talking about. So that's been very rewarding to present to those types of groups. Um, a question, um, I know that so many older people, you know, kind of never believe that their story would have an impact in anyone. You know, it's like, oh, who would want to know my story? You know, it's because they don't realize the impact their story could have. And you're not talking about people that have had, you know, extreme this or that. Um, it's just the, the living and who, yes. how they're living today. How, did you find it hard with, with any of the people to understand the impact of their story shared? No, I, I didn't really. Um, most of them did have stories. As I say, a couple didn't fit in with where I was going, how I set up the book. But j just simple things, again, such as uh, I touch on, on gratitude and resilience and, and mm. some other human traits within the book. And uh, the resilience piece, a perfect example of that was um, one of my friends, introduced by one of my friends, actually, Nancy who at a later age in life, and she'd done all the right things. She was continuing to live a meaningful life. She was involved with her community and doing a lot of wonderful things. And she uh, was diagnosed with cancer, very serious uh, cancer. And yet she decided that she was going to get through it and just worked with her, her community, with her church, with her, continued her job. And with her uh, therapy, she did get through it. And it mm -hmm. showed in her ability to bounce back and be resilient even having faced something that, that was, well, life-threatening, really. Yeah. Um, another story, which I just love, is one about um, Betty and the Crystal Bowl, I call. Mm -hmm. She and her husband were living in uh, New Orleans at the time of uh, Katrina. And that happened so quickly that they literally had to just throw, throw a few things in a bag and leave. But meanwhile, she'd recently pur purchased a Waterford Crystal Bowl that was displayed on her dining room table, but of course she couldn't take that. And they made it to safety along with millions of others that had left the area. And weeks later when they returned to their home and they were slopping through all the oil soaked uh, debris and she couldn't believe her eyes when she looked over and on her dining room table, she saw her crystal bowl that had been weighted down with the, the floodwaters and was still intact. Mm -hmm. And, and to me, it was a matter of thinking this crystal bowl came through with tenacity and was still intact. And so was Betty and her husband. Yes. 
And we had quite a discussion about that. And to me, that was such a great story for gratitude. Mm. And, and she has always been so grateful for things that have happened in, in her life, good, good, good and bad. And she's one of the happiest people I've ever known. So known. So it's the little stories like that that I find very touching. They're simple stories. And yet there's a lesson to yeah. be drawn from them. And those are just a couple of examples. I mean, it, it goes to the priority, isn't it? I mean, everybody mm -hmm. has a woe is me story. There are, nobody gets through life without something happening to them. And, right. you know, all of our emotions are coming to us as an indication of, of how we're feeling at the time or a reaction to something. The thing that we should not get caught up in is the becoming emotional about our emotions because then we get stuck. And, yes. you know, for I haven't got time to get stuck. There's, there's, there's always too much life to do, you know, or commitment to do. And I think if, you know, one of the thing about um, our elders, because of what they've had to go through in life, and especially our extreme elders that went through the war as well, um, yes. is the fact that the most important thing is I'm alive. We're alive. We can start again. You know, is it going to be difficult? Is it going to be hard at this time? Yes, but where does the gratitude really lie? Where is the importance? And that resilience is one that for a lot of people that are going through things and it's like really in the scheme of things, is it important? Exactly. And I think it, it alludes back to what we were talking about and people allowing themselves to go down that rabbit hole yeah. for, for whatever reason. And you have to be able to, to step back and really be grateful for what you have. There, there's an expression that to, I'm trying to think of his name, Meister Eckhart, who's a 13th century theologian who summed the expression up that if the only word you ever say in your entire life is thank you, yes. that'll be enough because that expressing is expressing gratitude. And there's so much that is encompassed in that. And, it, and it's true. I mean, studies have been, been done um, with respect to gratitude, showing that the more grateful you are in your life, your aging process slows, you're happier. I mean, there's so many positive things that come out of it that it's just, uh, it's the way to go. I've known so many people that are what I call negative Nellies and they just <laughs> always, woe is me. And yes. you know, the, 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 uh, the, the violent drama. Uh, half, yeah, <laughs> half empty and they're miserable. Yeah. And it's like they're walking around with this cloud of doom and groom, gloom around their heads and like Pigpen in one of the, the comics we had years ago. And I just, I don't want them in my orbit. Thank you very thank you. much. Exactly. Because, yes, yeah. because Who you put they... yourself around is really, really <sighs> important. Very. Totally. totally. I call it the, the Fox News um, um, event. They take a pimple and make it into a volcanic eruption because his <laughs> hysteria and fear sells uh, yeah. and it yeah. stirs people up and it yes. gets them negatively engaged. But you cannot sustain that negativity without paying a price. And That's that means the price is your health your yes. well-beingness so, yes, so true. We've, we we and that's another game that we we learn as we get older is be more discerning of who we're with mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. and, and i think too and not only the the people that we're with which i totally agree uh but also the activities that you get involved yeah. with I, i've always tried to be very selective as to the things that i get involved with but too many people are, are, it's difficult for them to say no and they get so, right. so caught up in doing so many things and just drain themselves of energy and you have to realize at some point okay this is not serving what my goal yeah. is or what I want to do so I'm going to have to say no not this particular one and yes to this one and again surrounding yourself with people that has the same positive mindset 
and, and attitude. And uh, you just drive a nice little stream going down the road, being positive and happy and leaving the other ones in the dust. Because those other ones always have an agenda and it's oh, to take totally. advantage of you. And believe me, I was there. I was that person that couldn't say no. And I had yeah. to learn it the hard way. And now yeah. I, can, I can say no without guilt, without yes. guilt. And that, again, I think is, um, is you know, going back to and a lot of the things I talk about with, when we're talking about elderly people, it's so many people on their self-discovery is they needed permission from other people to make that discovery. So true. And, so and true. you know, I said the only permission you need is from yourself. Absolutely. Yes. Amen. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, again, it's taking responsibility for your, your own self and not requiring other people to make right. decisions for you or kowtowing to other people in, in whatever regard. It's you that has to be responsible and accountable and make those decisions. And you're happier as a result because you're in more control of your yes. own life. Yeah. Unapologetically. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm very glad you've written this book because it is something, again, that is, you Thank know, you, it's, it's timeless. It's ageless. It's one of those things that you can have in the house and even just open up to a particular page and read. And, it, you know, I'm a big one to just opening up a page, what do I need to know? And there's a chapter there or a page there. And, you know, it could even be one of those things that you have in there. Okay, family, what do we need to know? What's the lesson today? Open the book. And, and that will always correlate. That wisdom that comes out of the book is always answering something that's needed to be known at that time. So it's a wonderful book to have as a family book. Thank you. I, I like that uh, aspect of it. And the way that I set it up was just, as you said, that really as a workbook that could be treated as a read from beginning to end or just yeah. delve into whatever topic appeal to you and then at the end of each chapter I have personal reflections. So to have some questions regarding that chapter that you can reflect on for yourself and then there's a whole section at the end on on resources as well so it's got a little bit for everyone and as you say it, it is timeless because yeah. all of these aspects of our life they they are timeless i'm a huge advocate of uh, book clubs and podcast clubs um, yes. because you know i think when you listen to something together or read something together and then each one of you then share what you got out of it yes. you know what your perspective is it opens up a whole gamut of, oh, I didn't see it that way. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Oh, that's a revelation. And, you know, yes. going away then with this wonderful sphere of wisdom, whereas, just, you know, listening on your own is great, but then who do you have to talk to about it? So, you know, share the book, or have a book club, whether it's the family book club, or your bunch of friends, a bunch of people, in, you know, your, your elders. You know, have we found these obstacles? What do you think of this? And, you know, has it changed your mind of how you're going to approach life? You know, yeah, and, share, share, share. <laughs> yeah and, and again, as you say, you can read something and you, you can get something out of it. But yeah. it's that, you know, community, the sense of yes. community that you're sharing your ideas with other people and will make you think of something that you had no idea of before. I was doing different Zoom groups for a while, but now with things opening up, I've been yeah. invited to do the in-person, right. which will be a, a lot of fun yes. to do, to, uh, to share those. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I've got a few in the fall lined up and I've really enjoyed the, the podcast. I've, I've done several and everyone has its own flavor. Yeah. You know, exactly. it's, it's not a repetitive no. uh, rote script type thing, right. all from a different perspective, but the topic has been the same. Yeah. So I've, I've enjoyed doing that. And I've especially enjoyed our conversation. It's just uh, 
as you said, a very open conversation, mm -hmm. a nice chat between two people that are very receptive to the positivity of aging. And people eavesdropping on it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it how do people get hold of you and how do people get hold of the book and your social medias as well? Though? Absolutely. Well, I do have a website. It is my, my full name. So it is uh, www. Ramona, R-A-M-O-N-A, -A, middle initials, V-M for Vera Marie, Oliver.com. And that will share a little bit more about uh, who I am, what the book's about. And there are options for purchasing the book. Obviously, it's available through Amazon and there's a link on the website. Uh, it's also available through my self-publishing book partner, which is uh, Book Baby, and I offer a 25% discount in ordering it through Book Baby. Uh, you can also reach out to me. There's an area where you can connect with me on the website. So that's the most direct way to uh, to connect with me. And I, I'd love to hear from people and hear your thoughts and your feedback. I mean, that's the point. Just like, you know, when I do public speaking, I'd like to you know, I state my thing, but I like the interaction. Ask the questions, you know, yes. because now, you know, you've, you've said such and such, and now it's how they've received it. And it opens up, you know, the whole minds, hearts, and souls of people. And so feedback right. is important. So please, folks, do reach out because in sharing, you know, what the book meant to you, or maybe a particular passage, or maybe it's uh, had you look at your own elders in your community or in your family differently, you know, that yes. is impactful for someone else. So please do totally. share. Yes, yes, I'd appreciate that very much. And uh, I will be, uh, well, I'm doing updates on a regular basis to keep people advised of what I'm doing with the book. I actually have a, a very interesting, uh, here in Texas, there's a, a group called the Lone Star Literary uh, Lifestyle, and they do what they call blog book tours and mm. I'm actually on one in July where you your book is promoted in various ways over a period of time and I'm looking forward to that it's going to be a lot of fun so it's it's a way of just getting my book and what I'm putting out into the the universe out there yeah. and uh, it's it's uh, it's all it's all fun and it's inspirational and, and I'm getting so much back from it as well yeah. so I'm sharing but it's coming back to me in, in, in various yeah. ways too. Yeah. The nine years of doing these podcasts have been the greatest therapy and liberation for me. I've learned so much from people like yourself. And, you know, that's the thing. Be willing to be engaged. You know, be willing yes. to listen. I mean, I, I always say that the information is out there. You've just got to be preparing, prepared to look for it and, and take the time. You know, um, I call it the Orchard of Wisdom Library, you know, ready for clicking. Um, and it's a... Uh, take the time like you would in a library what you know what stands out at you and click on it and it's the same with the book I go into a bookstore I walk up and down those books and the book jumps out and says here you find you need to read me <laughs> and, uh, and as I said your book is timeless it's very educational I can actually think it would probably be really really good in schools or community centers or after school type places where um, our youth could really do with yes. learning yes. to listen to this. Yes. And, uh, and, you know, let's face it, there's a lot of leaders out there today. You know, Biden isn't young, mm -hmm. still extremely productive. And it's like, uh, don't write people off because of their age, please. Exactly. As we've been saying, that it's, it's not about uh, 
age, but it's, and it's timeless, but also yeah. it, it crosses age segments, yeah. uh, which is one of the things that I did want to put forth in the book. So younger people it, bringing that together so that uh, we're serving as role models for future generations, and yet they're serving, younger people yeah. are serving as role models for generations to come beyond them. So yep. it's, yeah, it's... Good and bad, nobody gets to where they are at 70, 80 <laughs> without experience, you know, and there are some experiences that we wish we could erase altogether, but they were what the experiences were at the time. Um, forgiveness is a great deal one needs to have in life because you're making decisions at the time based on what's going on and you wish afterwards you hadn't, but that is life. And I think this is such a brilliant, um, insightful, illuminant and um, empowerment to others who are on their journey of life because you know we don't we don't want you to go down the grand canyon you're going to have potholes along the way but we don't want you to go down the grand canyon you know it's a long way to climb back up (laughs) and i've I've done that i haven't gone to the bottom but i have gone down far enough to know that you need to only go as far as you you can handle because you've got to turn around and come back up afterwards. right right and you know sometimes we do have those struggles in life and we learn a great deal from them but what what we're saying is that we're giving you a shortcut here folks with all the education and knowledge you could have and the wisdom that you could have that can help you uh, prevent some of those deep falls that you would otherwise take, right? Most definitely, yes. Thank you for summing it up that way, Sarah, yes. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. It's been an absolute delight. I do recommend that people, teachers and community centers and uh, even, you know, um, retirement homes having the book in there because you know, then it opens up conversation amongst them all. You know, what's yes. your story? The whole thing is it's insightful to ask other people what's their story and what they've that, learned from it. That was part of my plan early on when I was writing it. But of course, with the shutdown, you know, it was yeah. literally lockdown. So that I'm going to res- resurrect that idea again, because I think it would be very, very timely and provide the stories and a little bit of encouragement and entertainment for you yes, as well yes. for people. Yeah. You know, back to that relationship. You know, conversation, you know, it creates relationships. So mm-hmm. when people are engaged to have a conversation with someone, they can build relationships from that. And, you know, this is a bridge of that gap, which is wonderful. So, it totally, it totally so if, you, if you do a book too, and we're certain when you've got your poems, you know, please come back and share with us because it'll be absolutely Thank delightful you. to to share your next chapter. I will. Well, I've, I've loved our conversation. It's been uh, just a uh, you know, I didn't have a cup of tea in front of me, but it's like having a conversation over a cup of tea. Exactly, exactly. And it's, it's been very enjoyable. So thank you very much for having me as a guest on your oh, show. My pleasure. And folks, you know, this is a book that really kind of could be in every family. It's one that you can pick up from time to time, open up a page or say to the kids, go and read a chapter and come back and tell me what you think on it. You know, it's, it's about engagement. It's not a pick up, put down and forget about. It's a pick up, learn even one piece of it and go, okay, what's the question back on me? How can I share it? How can I communicate with others on it? Because that's what it's about. Please learn from your elders. And elders, it's not over until it's over. When the vessel dies, the spirit still goes on. So just live life exuberantly right to the last moment because that's what you're here for. Right. Continue to live life as an incliner. and incline. Yes. There's another mountain to climb and forget about your arthritis. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with that. It's but just climb that mountain of inquisitiveness and of wonderment and of joy.
because you never know what's on the other side and you're never correct. going to know until you're willing to climb that mountain. So that's correct. Well, uh, thank you again, Sarah. Thank you very much. So folks, please do not look at your elders as um, a waste of time or a burden on society. They've paved the way for you. You wouldn't have your cell phones or Zoom or computers without people that have gone before. A little gratitude and certainly a lot more of inquisitiveness of what brought them to where they are today and what you can learn from it. And for all our elders out there, please, please get up and dance. Life is a beautiful song and it's ready for you to just get going. So until next time, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. You will hear many, many shows here at selfdiscoverymedia.com. We have new shows for you out every week. Just find them on our podcast or, or what's new. If you feel that you have something to share that makes a difference in the lives of others, or you too feel that you could be a host, please contact me at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com and we will be glad to speak with you. Have a wonderful day.